You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 44, and we're going to be asking the question, would you like to know what can bring you peace? But before we do, just a couple quick things I wanted to mention to you. First of all, you're probably noticing that we're making this episode available earlier than normal, because today is Palm Sunday, and we wanted to make this available to you on Sunday instead of Monday because of the nature of what we're looking at this week in the portion of Scripture that we're looking at. So that's why today's delivery is on a Sunday. We'll return back to our normal delivery schedule very soon. But today, we wanted to make sure that we got this to you early. I also wanted to ask you to stop by our website, which is desirejesus.com, and sign up to be on our newsletter list. We send out our newsletter usually on Tuesday afternoons, and this week we also sent out a special email to those that were on our email list, Uh, giving them a free book. So if you're on the email list, hopefully you saw that this week and were able to get your free copy of the Desire Jesus one-year devotional. We made that available this week, and uh, we're grateful to be able to share that with those of you that are on the list. But if you're not on the list, be sure to get on the list, because different times throughout the year we're able to do this. Uh, Through our partnership with Amazon, they allow us to offer the Kindle edition of our books for free through their website several times per year, and we make sure to let our email list know that those are available. So stop by DesireJesus.com, and you'll be able to sign up for that right there on the front page. Now, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, it's Palm Sunday. We're looking at Luke chapter 19, and we're asking the question, would you like to know what can bring you peace? And I'm going to start us off by reading from verse 28 down to verse 44 of Luke chapter 19. And this is what it says. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, 
he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege of being able to look at this portion of Scripture today. And Lord, we're grateful for the reminders that you give to us through your word and also through the different things that we celebrate and experience during this time of the year. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us now. We pray that you would teach us more about yourself and what you came to this earth to accomplish on our behalf. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. When you're stressed, upset, or anxious, how do you deal with those emotions? When your mind is filled with worries, what do you try to think about instead? What do you daydream about? I bring these questions up because our answers can help us identify what we actually believe can provide us a sense of peace. This world is looking for peace. Ever since mankind severed our fellowship with our Creator, we've been attempting to find the peace that we long for through created things instead of through Him. This has been the struggle of humanity ever since our earliest days. This struggle was also highly visible on the day of Christ's triumphal entry into Jerusalem, what we see taking place right here in this passage. As he entered into the city on that day, he was surrounded by all kinds of people. Some genuinely trusted in him. Others were looking for him to be the means by which they could acquire worldly things that they actually trusted in. And still others despised him and openly rebuked and rejected him. Each of us can find someone in that crowd that represents the state our hearts are in right now. Would you like to know how true and lasting peace can be obtained? Well, let's take a look at what it says here in Luke chapter 19, because we're given great insight into that very question. And one of the principles that I think we can notice right as this portion of Scripture starts off is that we need to view everything that's been entrusted to us as actually belonging to Jesus. Let me reread verse 28 and the verses immediately following it. They say this, And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. Some of the most influential people in my life fit into categories that you might not necessarily expect. 
Years ago, I had the privilege to meet two elderly sisters who had never married, had never had children. They were both retired and in better health than most of their peers. And because they had a decent amount of available time, they volunteered to serve in many capacities in the local church. And they also took time to drive a large percentage of the elderly people within our church to their doctor's appointments or to visit the grocery store when it was needed. They had a reliable car, and they believed that the Lord had blessed them with it in order to bless others for His glory. And I bring that up because this passage of Scripture illustrates a principle that we would do well to examine. In this world, there are many things that will be entrusted to us. We may be blessed with knowledge, time, abilities, finances, or specific resources and tools. In the context of what was taking place in this scripture, we're told that Jesus sent two of his disciples to acquire and bring him a colt. They followed his directions. They found the colt. They untied it. And they told the owners that they were taking it because the Lord needed it. And from what we see in this pivotal passage of scripture, that answer was apparently sufficient for the owners of the colt. Jesus was about to utilize this animal to demonstrate something significant and prophetic about his identity as eternal king. But he also providentially chose to allow the owners of this colt the unique privilege of partnering with him in this mission. Now, they certainly could have said no and chased the disciples away from their property, but they didn't do that. They were content to treat what the Lord had entrusted to them as something that ultimately belonged to him anyway. This is a helpful example for us, even though we live many generations after this event. I have found it to be a true principle of life that you can either worship what the Lord blessed you with, or you can use what he blesses you with to worship him. If we are selfish with his blessings, we turn those blessings into harmful idols. If we're generous with those blessings, we're exhibiting good stewardship that's the fruit of genuine faith. Everything that the Lord entrusts to us doesn't actually belong to us. It belongs to him. This, by the way, was a concept that was widely embraced by the believers that were part of the early church. In fact, I want to read to us a portion of Scripture from Acts chapter 4, starting with verse 32, because it says this, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Isn't that fascinating when you look at that portion of Scripture? The believers that were part of the early church looked at what the Lord had entrusted to them and recognized that everything that he blessed them with actually belonged to him. Have you ever wondered if one of the reasons that you've struggled to find peace in this world might be because you're trying to hold on to things that don't ultimately belong to you? Can you identify any created thing that you would not say yes to the Lord if he made the request of you to either turn it back over to him or to share it 
with someone else. This portion of Scripture reminds us that we need to view everything that's been entrusted to us as actually belonging to Jesus. Now, there's something else that this chapter illustrates for us, and that's this, that we should not let a critical spirit inhibit our enthusiasm for praising Jesus. Look at verse 35 and the verses that come right after it. We're told, And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Isn't that a fantastic portion of Scripture? This portion of Scripture is amazing on multiple levels, including the fact that it includes the fulfillment of a prophecy that was made by the prophet Zechariah five centuries earlier. Let me read that prophecy. It's from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, and it says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Isn't that fascinating? So in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, we're told that the king who could offer salvation would come to Jerusalem humbly, riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This was a sign that was foretold as a form of confirmation to those with eyes to see and ears to hear so that they would recognize the coming of the Messiah. Jesus rode that colt into the city and the people spread their cloaks on the road. Mark chapter 11, verse 8, also tells us that people spread leafy branches on the road, which is why we typically refer to this event as having happened on Palm Sunday in reference to palm branches being spread. In fact, let me read that verse for us. Mark 11, verse 8 says, And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. Incidentally, I don't know why we call it Palm Sunday instead of Cloak Sunday, because both were placed before him as a sign of respect and as an acknowledgment of Christ's kingship. This was something that was done to, to show reverence for a king. We actually see an example of this same type of thing being done in 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 13. I'll read that portion of Scripture for us as well, but it says this in that passage. It says, Then in haste every man of them took his garment and put it under him on the bare steps, and they blew the trumpet and proclaimed, Jehu is king. So this is a pattern that we see elsewhere in Scripture when reverence was being shown to a king. And as Jesus rode into the city, his disciples called out, and they said, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They praised Jesus loudly 
and openly. Clearly, when you look at this portion of Scripture, we could see that they were ecstatic about the possibility of him setting up his earthly kingdom and bringing Israel even greater prominence and peace than they once enjoyed back in the days of King David. But instead of joining the disciples in praising Jesus, we're told that the Pharisees, who were the the religious elite of the day, they didn't like what they were seeing at all. In fact, they sternly instructed Jesus to tell his disciples to be quiet. In their mind, this kind of praise toward Jesus was blasphemous in nature, and they wanted it stopped. Jesus, the Lord over all creation, replied to the religious leaders in a wise, honest, and direct manner. And he told them that if his disciples didn't praise him, the very rocks of the ground would cry out in praise. What he was saying was that even though humanity tries to squelch knowledge of its creator, the creation still testifies to the one who made it. If man, being made in the image of God, won't sing the praises of Jesus, the humble rocks that man thoughtlessly walks upon would joyfully accept the privilege to do so in our place. Just the other day, I was personally edified while I was watching, of all things, uh, a popular investment channel online. And the person making the video, a man who believes in Jesus, was reading comments from regular viewers, and one of the comments he received said this, Looked at your profile. There aren't too many people in tech who believe Jesus was our Lord and Savior. It's nice to get some diversification in the tech industry. I thought that that was pretty cool to see, particularly in light of this portion of Scripture that we're looking at today, because you know and I know that just as there were people trying to dampen praise of Jesus on this particular day, there are still critics who attempt to do so in our day as well. But don't let a critical spirit dampen your enthusiasm for testifying to the greatness of Jesus Christ. Do this in whatever sphere of life the Lord has placed you, regardless of your field and regardless of the smug attitudes of those who look sideways at you or try to rob you of your joy. Don't let a critical spirit inhibit your enthusiasm for praising Jesus. Now, the scripture that we're looking at today shows us one additional thing, and I want to point that out to us now. But basically, I believe that it shows us that we should let Jesus show us what he's trying to show us, even if it wasn't what we were initially looking for. Look again at verse 41 in the verses following. It says this, And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Every single one of us has things that we're passionate about in life. A few years back, I met a man who was honestly passionate about installing fences. 
That doesn't seem like something that would be uh, a popular thing to be passionate about, but he told me that was his passion. He told me that he had the opportunity to work in several different areas, but he never found a task he enjoyed as much as marketing and installing quality fences. In the process, he ended up building a very successful company that does just that. When we're passionate or excited about things, it can sometimes result in us losing sight of things that are actually of greatest importance. We can develop somewhat of a tunnel vision that misses what Christ has been trying to show us because it isn't what we really wanted to see. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he looked out over the city. He observed the buildings, he observed the people, he looked at the activity that was taking place there, and he wept. His heart was grieved as he watched the very people he had created, spending all their time and all their energy focused on the wrong things, and seeking to find peace in this world through worldly ambitions and created things instead of realizing that he alone could give them the peace their hearts were thirsting for. It reminds me of what Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 14, where he says this, But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The people that Jesus was observing as he came into Jerusalem were living lives that were being invested in things with no eternal value. And Jesus prophetically stated that it was all going to be taken from them. Their enemies would one day surround the city, tear them to the ground, and not leave one stone resting upon another because they did not recognize the time of Christ's visitation to them. They rejected Christ as their king because they really only wanted a political savior. That's all they wanted. And less than 40 years after Jesus spoke these words, in the year 70, the Romans besieged and destroyed both Jerusalem and the temple. Christ knows that, naturally speaking, we were not looking for him. We weren't reaching out to him, and neither were the people living at the time that this scripture was being lived out. We weren't seeking him. So he came to this earth seeking us. He's still seeking us, and he's trying to show us things that we were not inclined to look for or value. Christ offers us true peace, not temporary or circumstantial peace like this world gives, but lasting peace through a relationship with him. Christ offers us a real future, not a future built on the flighty ambitions of worldly priorities, but a future in his kingdom that he has secured for us. Christ offers us life. We were dead in sin, and we were stained with our own unrighteousness. We had no standing before our Creator and were condemned to an eternity apart from him. But Jesus took our sin upon himself at the cross, defeated death when he rose from the grave, and offers us new life, through faith in him. We are cleansed of our sin and made a brand new creation through Jesus, destined to live forever with him. Would you like to know what can bring you peace? 
Jesus makes it clear in this passage that the answer to that question is, without a doubt, Him and Him alone. Don't offer the affections of your heart to anything less than the one who created you. Trust in Christ. Walk with Christ, and you'll find the peace that you know you truly need. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this portion of Scripture and for the privilege to know you and to walk with you. Lord, we recognize that our hearts look for peace through all sorts of things. We look to the things that have been created to offer us peace. But Lord, your word reveals to us that it's only you that can supply the lasting peace that we truly need, the eternal peace, the eternal life, the future that is secured. That can only be found, that can only be obtained through you. Lord Jesus, you invited the people of the era in which you did your earthly ministry to trust in you. Some did and many did not. And the same is an issue right now in the generation in which we live. Lord, by your grace, we pray that we would be people who genuinely and sincerely trust in you. We pray that we would walk with you. We pray that we would put you first in our lives. And we pray that we would learn to glorify your name. Help us, Lord, to recognize that our hearts will never find peace or satisfaction until we find peace through you. Strengthen our faith, we pray. Remind us of your presence and help us to find great joy in who you are and what you have done. We're grateful for all of these things, and we thank you for these reminders from your word today. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. As I mentioned at the start of this episode, we'd invite you to stop by DesireJesus.com. On Tuesday, we send out our newsletter to everyone who's signed up for our newsletter list. So get on that newsletter list. You'll be able to receive a transcript of the teaching, our Bible studies that we put into these informal Bible studies each week. Uh, We'll be happy to send you the link to that. We also send out links to other resources from time to time and to books that we're offering for free when Amazon allows us to do so through their website. So we invite you yet again, stop by DesireJesus.com and sign up for our newsletter. But that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and we look forward to catching up with you again right here next week. Take care. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com 